You are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pav, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And today's topic, if you did not read the title and description, I am very sad and disappointed. No, I'm just kidding. But if you did read the title and description, it is Ugly Delicious. So what does that mean, Ugly Delicious? It's a show that I recommend that you watch if you have uh, access to Netflix. Before I get into the reasons why you should check it out, first, our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that the opinions expressed by me or anyone else on this show is simply that, our opinion, so you can agree or, hey, you can disagree. If you choose, we are not claiming that we have the ultimate truth or that our viewpoints are the only correct viewpoints, so... It is possible other things may be correct. It's possible other things may be trash. Depends. So with that out of the way, Ugly Delicious. As I mentioned, it is a show on Netflix. And the term itself is a... Okay, well, before we get into the term, it is a show about David Chang, who is a chef and, I guess, restaurateur. And he kind of explores cuisine in the U.S. and, like, around the world and tries to understand its history, its culture, and its, like, place, you know, in society, how we value certain foods over others, certain cuisines over others in society. The term ugly delicious comes from David Chang himself. It's a term that he uses to basically talk about food that looks ugly but is delicious. And so what I like about Uh, this show, Ugly Delicious, is that it's different from a lot of other cooking shows or restaurant shows, like, what's the Guy Fieri one? Drive-ins, diners, and dives, or, you know, some kind of show like that, where it's a host, a personality of some kind, whether or not they're a chef or they're just someone who likes to eat, quite frankly, is me. I like to eat. I would love I would love to get a show where I just go around and eat food. But most of the time in these shows, you don't really learn much about the history of of whatever dish or cuisine is presented, right? You just, you're usually, you're just presented like, this is it. This is how we make it. And then the person or people eat the food and then, oh, this is like delicious, which you could kind of already figure out since, you know, why would you go to a place that is terrible? for like a TV show or a documentary or a film or whatever it is, they kind of just look at the technical aspects, right? You might have someone who is a knowledgeable chef or a knowledgeable cook, whatever term you want to use to describe people who bake or cook or whatever. And they can tell you about the technical aspects, the technique that goes into, you know, maybe making a dough or cooking a steak or grilling a steak or doing smoked meat or preparing seafood or doing like a kind of pasta, you know, like hand making pasta, right? You, you can get people who can tell you like, or, or making wine, whatever it is, you, you can find people who can tell you like the technique and what goes into it and what you have to do and like step by step. And they, they know that they're knowledgeable so they can comment on why things work or why things don't work from like a technical aspect. And that in itself can be interesting. I'm not saying that those kind of programs are bad or boring or anything like that. The, the ones that are more boring is just the ones where people are like, oh, this is good. Because <laughs> it's like, as I said before, of course it's good. Why, why are you here if it's not good? Or you could have some shows that kind of compare 
expensive versions of dishes to inexpensive versions of dishes and like and that can be interesting in and of itself because you might see why you know a $500 version of of like a hamburger okay what makes it $500 compared to a $10 version of a hamburger and then of course well at least I think taste is subjective so maybe the $500 is the better tasting one maybe the $10 one is the better tasting one but Ugly delicious is something that goes beyond that, right? It goes beyond just, oh, this is good because of its taste. Or this works because this person, whoever the restaurant they're at or street vendor, has a technique and they know how to cook it at the right temperature for the right time or how they can delicately fold pasta if you're making like little intricate pasta pieces or whatever. It goes beyond that, and it looks at the social political issues surrounding food. There is an article that I will link to that is kind of like a review about the show. The title is Netflix's Ugly Delicious Succeeds Because David Chang Understands That Food Is Political. So yes, food is political, right? I'll say it again. Food is political. Anytime you hear someone saying that, oh, why are you bringing politics into this? Like, this is just food or this is just sports. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Everything is political. Okay, so that's the first thing we should just get out of the way. Everything is political. Chang goes beyond just the presentation of the food, beyond just the technical, beyond just the preparation. All right, he gets into the history and how we value certain foods, certain cuisines, certain dishes over others. One of the first things I believe that they, they talk about, because David Chang is a Korean chef, and when they, they, do, they do an episode like on, uh, on Chinese food, and if you are someone who was old enough to remember back in the day, especially like late 80s, early 90s, there was a big thing about MSG. And there was kind of, I don't want to say a backlash, but like a protest against... MSG, you would find it in Chinese food, and it was something that was used to attack China. Oh, it's responsible for people being unhealthy in the U.S. because you have all these Chinese restaurants, well, in Canada too, that use MSG. So you used to see at um, at uh, at Chinese restaurants, big like uh, neon signs, right? MSG, and then the uh, circle with a bar through it, say no. No MSG. That's just like one example, but it brings out like the idea of MSG and even like Chinese food in general usually gets portrayed as something that's like low class or it's bad because it's foreign. Because uh, sometimes, you know, the Chinese food that you may see here, depending where it's from and who's cooking it and all that stuff, doesn't get the praise that let's say like Japanese cooking gets, which wasn't always the case either. But in the 80s, things like sushi and maki and stuff. Sashimi started becoming popular and trendy, even now. You, you know, you can get, I don't know, everywhere in the world, depending where you're listening on, but uh, at least I know in the U.S. and Canada, right? Sushi places started becoming popular, and then it became trendy. It was, like, seen as, like, refined. Well, why is that, right? Why is it once it's in the hands of, like, white people who've decided now, oh, yes, we like this. It's considered good. And you can kind of make the same idea for, like, Indian food. Sometimes it gets the 
the view that it's like low class or it's terrible or it's no good or it smells weird or whatever. And it's like any food is like freaking delicious. Now, can you have restaurants that like aren't the best? Exa- yeah, of course. But you can go to ones that are really good. I guess it depends where you live and who's cooking it, like I said. But it's one of those things where it gets portrayed as something that's like low class or of low value when really there's a diversity of different kinds of foods depending on because there's an episode that they do on Indian food. And depending on which part of India you're from, like the tastes and spices and how they prepare their, their meals, how they do it specifically, uh, that, that all changes. So there's a lot of diversity and nuance for a lot of cultures' cuisines that you don't necessarily see because sometimes it just gets stereotyped. It gets stereotyped as like one thing. Like, like I said, Chinese food. There's huge diversity in Chinese food, depending on what China, part of China you're, you're talking about. But back in the 80s and early 90s, it all just got put under, oh, MSG, no good, Chinese food, bad. Right? There's an episode about soul food, right? Like black American food and how it is portrayed as a stereotype and the idea of like fried chicken, for example, and like the stereotype that blacks like fried chicken. There's also a good Chappelle uh, standout (laughs) on like fried chicken. Where it's like everyone likes fried chicken. Like uh, every culture probably has a chicken that they fry because chicken is good. And then when you fry something, something fried is generally good, right? It's generally going to taste good. You could like deep fry anything. It's probably going to taste good. Like deep fried chocolate bar. I don't know if you ever had one of those. Delicious. Deep fried ice cream. Delicious. So deep fried chicken. Delicious. But it's only a negative stereotype. I shouldn't say only, but at least in North America. And it could be something that travels to other places too that don't know much about black history and black culture. And that's the only thing you're exposed to. So you think, oh yeah, black people only eat like fried chicken. But it becomes like a negative stereotype and it becomes a thing that some, sometimes like, you know, you're, you're someone who's black and you don't want to eat fried chicken because of this stereotype that, oh, that's all you like. Or that's all you know. So it takes a look at the sociopolitical elements that go around food. Like, for example, like, why do we hold, like, French cuisine as, like, basically the top, the haute couture of dining, right? All the chefs, and I don't know all the chefs, but a lot of chefs, you know, they go to France and get French training. Why is that seen as the standard? You have to, you have to know this in order to be a good chef, to know these French techniques, when not everyone cooks like that. And then the other thing, like I said, the the show takes a look at history of food and how they evolve and change over time. Because like everything in the universe, everything is in flux. So everything changes over time. So you'll have people from a certain area, they'll move to another area and they'll take with them their cultural customs and cultural norms. So that includes things like food that they eat. But now they're in a new area. They may not have access. They may not have access to the things they had from their homeland. And that's when you start getting variations. And this is how new cuisines or new blends or different traditions form. Because, oh, I couldn't get, I can't get this ingredient. So let's say I'm someone from like Italy and I come to the U.S. as an example. I will not have access to the same things I have access to in Italy and how I make certain things are going to change 
over time, especially when you think about people who emigrated or migrated well, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Now you could argue maybe it's less of an issue, but it depends even today because sometimes to bring something in might be just be too expensive. It might be not feasible. But that's the interesting thing about our food and like what we eat and like, like what we view as valuable. In one of the first episodes, I think, of the series, they take a look at pizza and they try to try to figure out like, well, what, what exactly makes a pizza? And of course, as we progress through the show, through the episode, you realize it, it really depends on where you are, because that answer is going to change. Even if you go to Italy, how they do it, like a pizza in Rome is going to be different from how they do it in, uh, in Naples compared to how they do it in the States. Right. If you go to New York, it's different from Chicago. So to someone who is in New York, New York style pizza, like that's pizza. But if you go to someone in Italy who makes pizzas, the way they do it there, that's a pizza. And they'll look at the thing in New York and be like, nope, that's not pizza. Right. Like a Neapolitan pizza. I think that's a kind of pizza. But even if you want to look at the at the U.S. examples like between New York and Chicago style, which is like the deep dish pizza which is lovely i love deep dish pizza i also like new york style pizza doesn't either like just just feed me (laughs) basically is what i'm saying but some people they're like no it has to be like if you're someone who's a firm believer in new york style pizza it has to be the new york way chicago pizza that's not pizza that's something else and you may think oh this doesn't matter but it does though it does now not everything is maybe as trivial as pizza but like i said we elevate certain types of food over others but you can also use it to put down certain groups of people looking at blacks and and saying oh they only like these kinds of foods like watermelon or fried chicken or something like that it's used to negatively portray or stereotype or insult a whole group of people based on that and you have variations and a whole lot of variety for, like, black cuisine. Well, when I say black, I mean, like, black American cuisine. And it's not fair to just say, assume that, well, everyone just likes fried chicken. That's it. It's like, no, there's more. And depending where you are, it's going to change. And the same thing is true, like, for tacos. Looking at, like, Mexican uh, cuisine. It's more than just tacos. But if all you think about is, oh, yeah, tacos, that's all they eat. Or burritos. It's like there's way, way, way more. But even how they do tacos is different. Someone that comes from Mexico goes to the States. Uh, it's going to be different compared to how you would do it back home. In this case, someone from Mexico. I enjoy the show because it gets into the these kind of backgrounds, right? It gets into the politics of food, which exists. But we don't, as a society, want to acknowledge necessarily because you think oh you're you're reading into it too much or something like that but it's like no you do have to look at this because like i said everything is political so you can't hide behind the notion that oh well it's just food it's just a pizza who cares it's like well no there's more there's a history to it right there's a culture behind it and there's new new traditions that form as people move across the globe and people emigrate right and then as political climates shift in the world and in the show uh chang talks about like korean food right korean food isn't seen necessarily as particularly high class or particularly trendy i mean i have i had korean food i don't i think i've been like a couple times and it's good but it's not something that we consider generally speaking like elevated like i said like a fine french cuisine restaurant you know where the portions are like these tiny things and you don't actually leave satisfied but you can do 
that kind of thing and people will praise you. Or you can do the other thing where it's like you're a white person and then you take Chinese food, Japanese food, Indian food. It could be South American food, so Chilean or Argentinian. Something that's not considered high class or high end, right? And you're going to elevate it. So you get the cool cachet of being like, yes, I have taken this food. You see a lot of like Asian fusion stuff. It's like, ah, yes, I have taken this and I've, I've made it twist with like American or Canadian, whatever, you know, amalgamations of food. Fusion. I made this interesting fusion and you get to be cool and like, ah, yes, look, look at what I've done or look at what I've brought to you, this cross-cultural pollination. But then you have, you know, people who, like I said, are like maybe have a Chinese food restaurant or that Indian or something else that's not particularly seen as like high-end restauranting. You know, they don't get that same kind of, same kind of praise or even like Middle Eastern food. So it takes a look, it takes a look at those elements. And kind of ask why it gets into like the philosophy and the ethics of food, right? This idea of like taking from other cultures and incorporating it, you know, into your own culture. So like I said, the, the idea of like fusion foods, because as I said at the beginning, not many shows kind of do that. Not, not many things look, I mean, maybe there's a whole trove. I don't know. Nothing that I've come across really. That's why the show stood out to me. And why I'm talking about it now, because, uh, I don't know, like I said, I thought it was interesting. I like that it goes beyond, it goes beyond just, oh, here's the food, as though it, like so many things are presented as though it's just that, it's just food. There's nothing else that goes into it when, like most aspects of society, of course, there's people who are driving that, there's people behind it. And so it, it does speak to, you know, who, who gets to be part of, of certain uh, food cultures and such, right? One of the ones where they look at barbecue, just for example, I think it'll probably be the last point, but one of the ones, uh, one of the episodes where they look at, at barbecue and like, you know, people who like to smoke, you know, their, 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 their cuts of meat, their briskets, let it go, let it sit for like days. So it's, 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 it's tender, you know, it's like moist. It's like delicious, basically this barbecue and you see that, like, in the barbecue world, it's all, it's all like white people, right? And so you think, oh, well, someone who's black doesn't barbecue. It's like, well, yeah, they do, but they're not considered in that. When you look at all, like, the top barbecue, any, anytime I've seen, like, a barbecue show or restaurant, it's generally, I'm not saying none exists, so don't come at me and say, oh, well, here's one. It's like, that's not the point. It's not, it doesn't happen at all, but it's just like you start to notice a trend that, hey, this skews towards this demographic. So why is that? And so the show kind of like looks at those things. And then, of course, it touches on, you know, the idea of gentrification, as I mentioned before, and like taking from other cultures or when you get to open up a hip, like if a Chinese or Korean and fusion or Japanese fusion or you get to take like soul, soul food and like elevate it. That's, that's always the buzzword you hear on a lot of cooking shows, whether the competition shows are just like, hey, we're going to go around and eat food at different places. We talk about something that's like elevated, right? So we've taken the simple, low class, kind of dirty soul food, and now we're going to elevate it. So it's presentable, it's high class, it's haute couture. And you got to stop and think, well, why? What's wrong with how it normally does it need to be elevated? Why is it once a white person elevates it, 
now it's acceptable to eat. And now we can charge people <laughs> lots of money to eat here at this restaurant. So it's interesting questions that the show raises and examines. Like I said, it gets at the philosophy, it gets down to like the why of these things. I'll leave you with that. And uh, if you can, if you have a Netflix account, I don't know where else you can check it out. But however you can check it out, I highly recommend you check it out. If uh, you've never thought about the, the politics, the history, the culture, the framing of certain foods. And wherever, you, wherever you're from, because I understand like this is from a North American context, perhaps it's different if you're someone who lives in Europe or lives in South America, lives in Asia or lives in Africa. Your experience might be different. But I still think it's worth looking at, worth examining, and you can even reflect your own tastes, your own experiences, why you prefer some foods over others or why you haven't tried foods from, from other cultures. So. I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, Ugly Delicious. So everyone, stay safe, wear a mask, peace.